Learn to know that you can lose nothing that is real. If it's real, you can't lose it. If it's not real, you don't want it. This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I am blessed to have my mentor, someone that I have looked up to for years and mm. on a variety of different levels, but one of the most talented, beautiful, spiritual, mm-hmm. wonderful souls I've ever met, Diane Cannon. Welcome to The Playbook. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Thank you. I am completely overwhelmed to think that somehow in my career that I would be sitting here. Uh, first of all, when I became friends with you, I was blown away that I would actually have reached a vibration or a frequency to attract someone like you into my life. But now I consider you family and to have you on the podcast is to me probably as exciting as you being nominated for three Academy Awards. Um, are there things in your life that have extended past your imagination? Because, you know, humbly, I'll tell you, this is one of those things in my life that I never imagined would have happened. You are. You make me feel extremely welcome and loved and dear. And you are just, I've, I've never known anyone like you, David. Oh. I've never known anyone like you. As far as the question you asked me, you know, I, I just... Ex- Without sounding braggadocia, I kind of expected those things to happen. It wasn't something I was striving for. I just watched it happen. I just feel that if we do our best at whatever it is that we're committed to, that it, it, it'll shine. And it's so true. Miracles are expected. And that's one of the many lessons that I've learned from you of understanding limitation. And I tell a story about one of the first times that we sat at a Laker game and I was so proud of myself. I was going to tell you because you are absolutely one of the most beautiful souls and you're in just such great shape. You're so healthy. Nobody could even imagine how many years you've lived on this journey. And I said, well, Diane, I'm going to live to 111. And you looked at me a little bit disappointed. And I said, what's the matter? You said, why are you limiting yourself? And that one little statement blew my mind because you also said, well, what if we all live to a thousand years because of technology? And for 50 years, you're manifesting, you're going to only live 111. I think the expectation of miracles uh, is one that recognizes what we're connected to and through. And you also are, like me, a faith-based person. Mm. And you believe in something bigger than yourself. Was that always true in your life or was it like me, something uh, that had been learned or experienced? I had, that was something I had to sort out, David. I had to understand because my mother was very proud of her Judaism. She was born in the Ukraine. My father was God who, and then later on his brothers and sisters introduced him to Jesus. And uh, so our, ho- our, our home became a divided home. And uh, in order to please mom, I was Jewish, and in order to please daddy, I was Christian. Until I came to a point in my life where I realized that there was just one God who loved everybody the same. We divide ourselves. We, We give ourselves different names and different structures. But I think that more than being religious, I'm extremely spiritual. 
I understand what spirit is. I understand how it affects and lives our life for us if we allow it. What it is to surrender to that power, to yield to that power. I had a, a funny thing happen with Sean Penn years ago. We were talking about yielding at a party. And he said, I've got to learn how to yield. I said, but we're all learning that every minute, Sean. And we were to get, we were driving down Wilshire Boulevard one day. I was on the inside lane. He was on the, I was on the outside lane. He was on the inside. And he rolled down the window and asked me to do the same. He said, I'm yielding, I'm yielding. <laughs> I applauded him. We drove on until we got to the light. And I honked the horn, rolled down the window. And I said, to what? To what? Because that's, you got to find out what you're yielding to, right? And I think that miracles are not, I think miracles are supremely natural, divinely natural. I, I, I don't think that miracles are miraculous when you understand what miracles are. I think they're just a form of the unfoldment of life as we live it. I, I think your life, people would call a miracle, what you accomplish in what's called a day. But you commit yourself to a schedule that is like a schedule no one else I know. It's very active. And I think about the fact that you expect miracles. And I always said, I learned to expect miracles because of who I am. I'll receive miracles because of who God is. But I offer miracles because I'm a part of God. And you offer, as I get choked up here talking to you, so many miracles throughout your career. And that career is one that has flourished and also evolved. That entertainment has changed dramatically mm -hmm. throughout. How many years have you been in the business? So I started entertaining when I was five. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's probably maybe even black and white films involved when you first started at five. Maybe, maybe not. But more importantly, today, entertainment is ubiquitous with everything and you have experienced and you still are able to be at the top of the media world even though it has changed into doing a podcast with david Meltzer compared to standing on a stage at the oscars or being with you know the most well-known famous people from your husband Cary grant to you know movies that i love and stars you know warren Beatty, and it'll go on and on we can't even list out all of them to that end, where do you see your the business that you're in uh, as far as opportunities? Are there more opportunities today or less? I think there are far more because of TV and because of the, the scope of, of where that's gone. But I don't know how many great opportunities there are. I, th I think it's important that there are many, many opportunities. But what do you consider an opportunity? That's a great point because... If it's aligned with your timing and risk tolerance and provides value, do you think that the opportunities may just, there's not as many world opportunities compared to these, these niche opportunities where you could be Dr. Pimple Popper and have a show on Bravo, or you could be an entrepreneur and have, you know, a pitch show where when I think your career started and continued, there's just a few places to go and everybody watched three channels or everybody went to the movie theater to see the five best movies that were playing at that time. Right. And do you think there is though for you these good opportunities or are they all just niche 
opportunity. No, for me, there are infinite possibilities. <laughs> infinite. Yeah, I can't, I can't even, so many opportunities, so many wonderful things to choose from, even when it seems like there's not. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just always happened. There's always, there's, there have been times when I've decided to withdraw. Uh, I stopped for a period of six years and I wrote a book that's now being made into a miniseries, a four-hour miniseries that I'm executive producing. It's just, when people say what it's about reinventing yourself, I don't know if it's as much that as opening up to all that God made me to be and allowing different areas of my my life. I mean, I've done I've sung in Las Vegas. I've I've, sung, <laughs> I've acted on Broadway. I've danced in, in cabaret. I think that like I said, there's infinite possibilities and infinite opportunities. And if they don't come, then you find a way to help them come. And you're a person who also have had an extraordinary family life. Um, and you have to reconcile as an entertainer uh, because it has a lot of opportunities and a lot of travel and a lot of time commitment. I always say when I did my first TV show, I said, wow, hurry up and wait. This is nothing like I, this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. It was a hurry up and wait business. And as you say, I'm a very active person. So it was very difficult for me to create uh, the weighted balance according to my values. Your family has changed throughout the years. You've lived through many different areas and people. How have you been able to reconcile the importance of your family with your career? Because I know today many women go, you know, that's normal. But let's be honest, when you were young, it wasn't normal to reconcile a family with your career. Well, especially as a single mother, because from the time I had my daughter, I was single. Yeah. Uh, my ex saw her, but I raised her. And that was a priority. That was a priority. So I turned down jobs um, that would take me away or... I traveled less. It was just always the most important thing in my life. And to this day, do you see the benefits as I know your relationship with your daughter is so great and your family means still so much for you. But looking back, I always wonder, you know, when I look back on, did I spend enough? Like you said, I'm very active and I want to make sure that I spend enough time with my family and I've made a concerted effort to do so. Do you see the benefits of giving up those certain things that other people would have taken? Well, yes and no. I remember one time being on location and calling my daughter and saying, I'm coming home this weekend, and a pause on the other end of the line. But it, well, is that okay, honey? Well, mom, I want to be with my friends. Right? <laughs> I live in my life. So it turns around, you know? <laughs> I know. I'm not sure everyone's old enough, but, you know. And, and I'll never the forget the, the oh. The Cats in the Cradle. The song Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. I mean, not everybody's old enough to know this song, but my uh, son, Miles, who. Who is Diana the Cole. most delicious young man I've ever met. Yeah. He's, he's really something. He's, he's extraordinary. Uh, my wife saw me in tears, and I had come home from a speaking uh, tour and I hadn't seen him and I had tears in my eyes and my wife said, David, what's the matter? I said, Miles Katzen cradled me, <laughs> right? Yeah. When you're coming home, like, I got to see my friends. 
And I was like, Ooh, you didn't miss me because <laughs> I like hurried home in order to see that. Yeah. Nope. So there's stages and ages and growth and phases, so many phases, but we've got to remember that those phases aren't for life. They're phases. They're for right now, this growth period we have to go through. Oh, you mean I'm not the most important person in your life? I guess not. Okay. <laughs> well, for now that. Right. But, we, but I still love you. Yeah. And in your career, you're not just an actress. Yeah, you're a director, a producer, a writer. You're, you're a, a spiritual leader but and a thought leader. But now, you know, you have to decide, I think, you know, with you executive producing your own story and these miniseries in the stage that you're in, you're building a legacy. And I'm always curious with someone that has achieved so much and so many people look up to and enjoy. What are some of the things that you think are important for your legacy at this stage in your life? I think um, for me, that my understanding of that higher power or God is the biggest legacy that I can leave because I think so many people are hurting and so many people want help and don't know where to look or how to look or when to look or if they should look. <laughs> you know, you know that as well as anyone I know, David. And so for me, going through trying to understand myself in the middle of acceptance, rejection, uh, popularity, not being wanted, all of that. Where do I stand in the midst of all that? And my understanding of what God is in a very spiritual way is the legacy that I'm most interested in leaving. Because the movies will stand for themselves and the books will stand for themselves and the uh, they all speak themselves, but when pe when people think of me after um, I go to the next door room or after I'm upgraded, I, I just want them to smile. I, I, I want to make people smile. That's, that's what I want more than anything. Wow. And however that happens, through work, through play, through my understanding of what that power is, I want to I wanna make people feel good and happy. Well, you're doing that for sure. Um, to that point, many lessons in life. And I always get the question myself, you know, uh, what would you tell your 18 year old self? Um, are there any golden nuggets that you would tell your younger self today that you think that would be applicable, not just to you, but more importantly to the 18 year old, my 18 year old that hopefully will be here in a few minutes. Where is, what would you tell not only your 18 year old self, but other 18 year olds today uh, to help guide them to pursue their own potential? I'd say snap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I've, got, I've got something else I'd say. I'd say, because I think that one of the things we grapple with most, especially 18 on, is fear, no matter what it is. And I would, I would say, oh, learn to know that you can lose nothing that is real. If it's real, you can't lose it. If it's not real, you don't want it. <laughs> I love that. And the illusions of the ego will help. Decipher. Because we get hypnotized with the thing we want or the thing we think we need 
or we're to this or we're to that. And all the limits are there. And when we take off the limits and realize that as the image and likeness of something that's the greatest, that, that is all, that, and that we have no limits, that means we can do anything, anything, anytime. Has nothing to do with age, color, race, anything, nothing. All things are possible. I believe that, David, do you? Absolutely, in fact, to that measure, I'd love to ask you another question. A few weeks ago, there was a picture from the Webb Telescope, and it was a picture of billions of galaxies that they actually, through technology, could now capture billions of galaxies. In each galaxy, there exist trillions of variables. Uh, if, for me, created this understanding of radical humility, of the oneness that, it, I knew it was there, but it was the first time that it actually could be captured in some, you know, pragmatic materialization of, you know, reality to me because I could see it. If you saw or didn't see, but if you saw the picture of a billion galaxies with trillions of variables, what impact would that have on someone that has such an expansive vision of the world? Someone that already believes in the infinite because I thought I understood infinite until I saw that picture and realized the size, scope, and scale of infinite, if that was a billion galaxies, um, which is really hard for me to comprehend. Would that picture, if you saw it or not, have that impact on you? Or have you already reached some sort of mental capacity to see everything? I'm sure that that photo would have an impact. I'm not quite sure what it would be without seeing it, but infinite to me, means all, all encompassing, all reaching. You can't add anything to all, nor can you subtract anything from all. So because the creator, as I understand it, says all things are possible to me, <laughs> and I'm made in the image and likeness of that creator, I can say all things are possible to me. So. Seeing all those galaxies, let's go. Let's go. Can I go with you? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of his last question, I have to end on this. You're probably the biggest Laker fan ever to live. If not one of two, I'm thinking Jack or you uh, probably are the two biggest fans I've ever seen. What's going to happen next season to the Oh Lakers? my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a great team. We're going to, we're going to, um, we're going to keep everybody that they're talking about. We're going to keep Russell. I want to keep Russell. Yeah, I hope you're, you're, I hope listening, you're listening, Russell. Russell right? Me too. Um, and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray and we're going to do great things. Uh, th there are always things that are upsetting and always things to cheer about. And I've walked out of there crying. I've walked <laughs> out of there with my mascara down here. But I've also, you know, Jerry Buss told me it was my brownies that did it. Nice. Was it Brownies? So I've been there a long time. I've seen a lot of things. They're making a 10-hour documentary right now that I filmed a few weeks ago. Um, well, there's other things to discuss. But <laughs> Lakers are my Lakers. They're my guys. No matter what goes down, I love them. No matter if we win or lose, I'm there. There have been some years when I've come late and left early, but I'm there. And I'm blessed to have those wonderful seats. And I'm blessed to have known so many of them. Kobe was a friend. 
Yeah. I was there the first day he stepped foot on the floor. I was there the last day he stepped foot on the floor. I've seen some of the greatest athletes in life. David, you shared those seats with me. <laughs> David, we're, we're so, how can we, how can we complain about anything? Amazing. We're Laker fans. Exactly. And I agree with you. It's going to be an incredible season. And I hope to sit with you again on another season and doing more with you to help inspire the world, empower the world. You are an incredible soul, like I said. And please, if there's anything I can do for you to be of service, everything you touch is a miracle because you are a miracle and you are a part of God and a part of me. I want to thank you for taking the time to be with me. The incredible Diane Cannon. An episode I'll never forget. This is David Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.